Hour 3, we'll talk with Jennifer Lee Chan, 49ers beat reporter for NBC Sports California at 4.30 this hour. Whitey in for Nick today. Nick will be back soon. He's okay. He's just taking care of some business on the home front. We appreciate Whitey sliding in in the meantime. Jay and Simone on the other side of the glass. A couple days ago, the uh, the Lakers season was ended, Whitey, at the hands of Nikola Jokic and the Denver Nuggets. And a very introspective LeBron James afterwards, saying he had a lot to think about when it came to himself and his future with the game of basketball. I had a lot to think about, to be honest. I didn't know any of that happened. I didn't know any you of didn't, that. You hadn't heard about that, really? <laughs> oh, no, really? Okay. Yeah. Well, the, obviously, Rob Palenka and, and Darvin Ham, the general manager and head coach of the Los Angeles Lakers, they did hear about it. Now, LeBron was not part of the exit interviews in Los Angeles. He usually opts not not to participate in that. But obviously, those guys were asked about what LeBron had to say. And Rob Palenka said that they'll they'll talk to LBJ when, when it's time. Coach and I will speak to LeBron in the coming days. We all know that he speaks for himself, and we'll look forward to those conversations when the time is right. But LeBron has given as much to the game of basketball as, as anyone who's ever played. And obviously, Palenka and everyone else in the Lakers organization would like LeBron to continue to play. Obviously, our hope would be that his career continues. Um, but we want to, again, just give him the time uh, to have those that inflection point and support him along the way in everything he does. You said after the loss, Whitey, that this might just be, you know, the the emotion of the moment, getting getting the best of him, and you have thoughts like that, and and yeah. and, and, and other people have have said the same, and and one guy who can definitely relate is his head coach, Darvin Ham. Were you caught off guard at all by that? Um, did you know that that was something that he was considering? You know, coming off a tough loss like that, you know, the work we put in this season, um, I think I was ready to retire after last night too. <laughs> But on, on a more on a more serious note, Ham did say that he's he's giving LeBron the space to do what he needs to do. LeBron has earned the right, you know, to do whatever he wants to do, to make whatever choice. I'm not one to speculate, but I just want to thank him, AD, the rest of the crew, but especially him for uh, being a consistent resource for me this year as a first-time head coach. Now, that to me, Whitey, sounds like what, what a GM and a head coach would say when asked about not just their best player, but a legendary player like right. LeBron James potentially stepping away and still doesn't make me think he's any more serious about retiring than I thought he was yesterday when, when we talked about it. And neither of us put a lot of weight or, or water in, into those statements that LeBron was actually considering retirement. I thought it was some of what you said the, the the moment getting the best of him and right. anybody would be having those thoughts at that age. Pity as Exa- well. Exactly. I also think he likes attention and he knew that like this yes. was the last little bit of spotlight mm-hmm. he could grab this season before people move on to the NBA finals in the offseason. And he can milk it if he wants to, and, and I wouldn't be surprised if he does. And I think there's also a little bit of, of leverage being played. We talked about all three of those possibilities yesterday. And like I said, Palinka's comments, Ham's comments they don't make me think any differently. It doesn't sound like they're too scared or, or taking too seriously the possibility that LeBron James is going to retire. But there were comments by Anthony Davis, and these weren't in exit interviews. This was in a conversation with Dave McMenamin of ESPN, who followed LeBron to the bus and, 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 and pressed him on those comments. And LeBron said, yeah, I don't know if I'm going to play next year. Well, McMenamin talked with Anthony Davis about those very comments. And he said that when informed... 
by McMenamin about the postgame comments. He was surprised to hear them at first because, like James, Davis is under contract with the Lakers for next season, one of only a few players with deals on a roster that could see a lot of movement this summer. But after considering the remarks a little longer, Davis recalled a recent conversation he had with James when he told James he might have one more in me when talking about the 24 Olympics in Paris. James told Davis he might already be done by then. Davis, thinking James misheard him, explained he was talking about USA basketball next summer, not 2028 in Los Angeles. James reiterated to Davis that he could have already hung up his sneakers by next year's Olympics. So this that that conversation precedes, predates this this introspective LeBron sitting at the podium saying what he said a couple nights ago. This is earlier in the season, him and Anthony Davis having this conversation and apparently something LeBron was already kicking around. That does make me think there might be a little bit more there, Whitey, than than what we thought yesterday when we were first talking about these comments. I could only see that if his foot is damaged to the point where doctors say, hey, you're going to be dealing with this all next year. There's only so much we could do. We can operate. But you know what? You're going to be hobbled now as a basketball player. If that were the case, I could see him saying, I, I'm done then. I don't think that's the case, and there's no reason to think that. I wouldn't be surprised if he at some point says, next year is my last year. You know, I'm going to play one more year. But I'd be stunned if he just walks away, unless it's health-related. I don't think it is. I was also thinking about this. You know, down the road, we all assume because he said this is what he wants to do. At age 40, he wants to play with Brawny. Well, just think, at 40, you know, we already have seen some of the decline. So you got an aging LeBron playing with... Bronny, who, you know, might might not be that good by NBA standards. That could be uh, one of the worst endings to any legend's career ever. Maybe if he's starting to think of it that way, maybe he's thinking, I think next year might be the year. I don't know. LeBron said Bronny is better than some of the guys he sees around the NBA. Of course he does. That's his dad. (laughs) You know? Meanwhile, yesterday, upon the, the news, I guess, or just pure speculation on what LeBron had to say. We were talking about best case and worst case scenarios for the Kings when it comes to LeBron James. Mm-hmm. And you threw out something that I hadn't even considered because my mind doesn't go to places that dark, mm-hmm. Whitey, which was the, the Golden State Warriors. And uh, points bet put out LeBron James' next team odds. And it's minus 700 that he stays with the Lakers. Right. Plus 500, no team. In other words, he retires. Uh, the Cavaliers that he goes back to Cleveland is a plus 1,200. But then there is the scenario that Whitey threw out yesterday, uh, the Warriors at plus 1,500. That just, that makes, <laughs> why is this a thing? You know what I mean? Why, why is, the, how, how is that a thing? When we hear, and again, I'm not a, a salary cap guru by any means. My eyes roll in the back of my head when I start reading about all the loopholes and contingencies and salary caps and exceptions and everything else. We're already hearing how can they afford to keep the guys that they have now. How is LeBron James even in any way, shape, or form a realistic possibility for the Golden State? This can't happen, right? It could happen. It probably won't, but you could see how he'd be motivated. Can you just tell me it can't happen so I can sleep tonight? I'm going to tell you. I'm going to lie to you and tell you it's almost certainly going to happen. (laughs) All right? It's it's inevitable. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Wow. Uh, He's at 40-something. I know his upper 40s, but Clay's at 43. So Clay and another asset. I mean, financially, that's probably the, the easiest part. And, you know, maybe uh, the Lakers wouldn't want to do it. But, you know, LeBron, if he, 
he wants to call his shots, he probably can. If you're LeBron, you're like, I got to win two more titles. What do I do? Man, I got to win them in a hurry. Hey, I'll go there. If you're the Warriors, we got to figure out a way to maximize our championship potential here. Yeah, LeBron's a perfect guy. So it does make some sense from both sides. Still very unlikely, but it makes sense and it is doable. I hate that idea so much. And and full disclosure, the uh, Knicks and the Heat also at plus 1500. So tied with the Yeah, the Warriors. Knicks. He's going to go to the Knicks. But they don't yeah. even say this season. They just say next team odds. So this could I don't know how huh. far how far out How far out can you bet futures? I don't know. I hadn't even realized that you're right. That's a great point. I'm not I'm not a gambler. Yeah. I don't know how far out you can bet futures like where LeBron might end up. Like what is the next team could be no matter what no matter what timeline we may be talking. Kings aren't about. on there, right? Uh, no, no. Huh. They go all the way to plus two thousand. Right. Make some money. The uh, Clip- opportunity. Clippers, to make some Sixers, money. Mavs, and Suns are plus two thousand. Mm-hmm. I almost equally hate the idea of him joining Devin Booker and Kevin Durant in Phoenix. Luca and Kyrie with LeBron that would be hilarious because that would <laughs> that would just burn that would crash and burn yes it would so gloriously and we could yes. all just we could all just point and laugh right after this not nobody expects the 49ers to crash and burn this team actually pretty highly thought of according to some lists we'll tell you where next cattles and rock cattles and rock Sacktown Sports. Megadeth Knight says on YouTube, youtube.com slash Sacktown Sports. Hit those like buttons, subscribe, rate, review, do all the things to help us work those algorithms and grow this brand to bring you better coverage. Um, he says if LeBron goes to the Warriors, we can call them the Golden War- Golden Years Warriors. <laughs> ah, that's pretty good. Rim shop. Is that, pri- is that, name that song Private Dancer? Yes. Is that, okay. I hadn't heard this song in a long time. It's a good song. Can you turn that up a little bit, Jeff? Paying tribute to a legend today, Tina Turner. Sadly passing away at the age of 83, but what a life lived. Yes, The ups, sir. the downs. Yes, Persevering sir. through all of it. Yeah. To achieve greatness. Yeah. Just uh, the American dream, man. Really is the American dream. Mm-hmm. We'll get to uh, uh, the latest list that has the 49ers near the top in just one second. But speaking of the Niners, Mitch in New Jersey wants to talk some 49ers. He's been waiting patiently. Mitch, you're on Cattles and Rami. What's up, man? Hey, Mitch. Hey, how you doing now? Good. I was say, uh, I'm hoping my boy, Sam, is done to make a comeback here. And I'm looking forward to seeing Trey. Would they ever consider Trey and Purdy? Maybe we can get a high draft choice for next year. I mean, that's a real, uh, some conundrum they're in, some problem to have. Nice problem to have, right? I'm having trouble hearing Mitch. Are you having trouble hearing uh, he Mitch? He said it's a, it's a nice problem to have that you have Purdy and... Lance. Oh, yeah. okay. You don't have a high yeah. yeah, and I'm hoping. Yeah, I'm hoping Donald can uh, rejuvenate his career. And he's got a lot of weapons there. But uh, everyone's talking pretty, but I'm, I wish they really give Trey Lance one more shot. Mitch, appreciate the call. And if you li- if you hear- if you listen to Kyle Shanahan, Nick and I talked about this a couple of weeks ago. the The popular belief, Whitey, is that if you have two quarterbacks. Growing up a Bears fan, I can't tell you how many times I heard this old expression. If you have two quarterbacks, that means you don't have one. Yeah, but you had Vince Evans. That is true. We also had P.T. Willis competing with Shane Matthews for a quarterback one year, so that was good. Also, Steve Walsh and Shane Matthews. He's like was one of the worst one. quarterbacks I've ever seen. But my point is that the expression goes, if you have two quarterbacks, then you don't have one. Kyle Shanahan, a couple weeks ago, he was talking like, no, it's not a bad problem we have at quarterback it's a good problem. We have a, we have three guys that might be franchise-level quarterbacks. It's just a matter of 
figuring out which one it's going to be that's going to that's going to man the ship for us and take us to 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 the to glory. I think he learned his lesson on that a couple of years ago when he had said we're going to split time, we're going to have Jimmy, and then we get in the red zone. It's going to be Trey. Remember, they actually tried that for a while, yeah. and it wasn't working. Plus, Trey was hurt, and then. Uh, was it about eight games in? They were struggling, and then Shanahan came out and he said, look, Jimmy is our guy. He gives us our best chance. So even though Trey was still on the team, it was clear who the guy was, and I think he learned at that point that, yeah, you can have good quarterbacks on the roster, but who's first in the pecking order, as long as that is clearly defined, you have one guy, and I think he's learned his lesson from But that. if you had, like, one guy who was the guy, we wouldn't be having these conversations and counting snaps in well, but OTAs, they, but, you know what I mean? But you do, it's just he had to have his uh, elbow repaired. Fair, and yeah. we're, we'll talk more 49ers with uh, Jennifer Lee Chan, NBC Sports California Coming up in a few minutes, NFL.com, Whitey, you, you passed this list along to me this morning. They ranked the most complete teams hmm. for 2023 with the, the sort of offseason dust settling after the draft and free agency. And they got the Eagles ranked number one, the Chiefs number two, and then there are your 49ers there at number three. And uh, just to give you an idea of who they're surrounded by, Bengals four, Cowboys five to round out the top five, and then I was surprised. I know we're we're here to talk about the 49ers. You're Sacramento home for 49ers football, Sacktown Sports. Uh, but I was most surprised by the Buffalo Bills yes. spotting this as number six. Not that I'm the biggest believer in the Buffalo Bills. Just I think most lists and most NFL talking heads would have you believe they're better than sixth in the league. I would but have them ahead of Dallas, certainly. How did you feel about the 49ers at three? Do you feel like that's that's fair? That's about the right spot for them? Yes. Uh, you know, yesterday we talked about the position battles and we're talking about right tackle and they have options there, uh, the linebacking position, but they have options. So they look like they're pretty sturdy and solid all the way around. Of course, you're going to short, short things up here or there. One of the things that jumped off the list to me from the 49er standpoint is, and again, that's a list of the 10 most complete teams, is you do have a team in your division that also made the list, the stinking Seahawks at nine. Um, you know, the 49ers are huge heavy favors to win the division, but a lot of people think the sneaky Seahawks might be pretty decent this year. I know they were last year as well, but they had a good draft, and that uh, just makes me a little uncomfortable. Yeah, I'm hearing a lot of that chatter, too. Yeah. Um, I think, and this this isn't going out on a limb, when you talk about the NFL, quarterbacks are what make things go. I, I like the Seahawks roster a lot, and it was a, a young roster in, in terms of plenty of guys that contributed next year. Yeah, and they're a playoff team. Yeah. And I think I think a lot of folks are looking at that and going, oh, man, if, if they get even better, those those young players that contributed like last year, because I would say the, the best place to improve is from within. No matter what sport you're talking about, it's internal development. And guys, life. Guys, life, guys on your roster yeah. just getting better. You know what mm-hmm. I And so I think a lot of people are looking at the Seahawks roster as like the arrow is pointed up on so many guys. But if Geno Smith can't match what he did last year, that kind of negates the effect Maybe. Of, of that yeah. very good, very young roster. You know what I mean? I do, and I think that's the way a lot of people are looking at it, and I'm struggling with that myself. But similar to the 49ers, I think the quarterback position, vitally important to any team. I don't think it's as important with the Seahawks or the 49ers as it is with other teams. So they may have some wiggle room there, a bit of a cushion, because they don't rely on the quarterback as much. And in fact, I believe they're also playing 
uh, the same uh, wide stretch, zone stretch offense that the 49ers are playing now. So even if he does take a few steps back, they still they won't rely on him as much. Unpopular opinion um, when you look at lists like this one. I don't, I'm not as sold on the Eagles as a lot of other people. And I know they just went to a Super Bowl, and that sounds weird to say. But first Talk of all— Talk me out, because I kind of am, so please, I want to be talked out of it. First of all, the Super Bowl hangover. The team, uh-huh. teams that lose in the Super Bowl tend to struggle the, the, the following year. So yeah. you have that. I'm not as sold on Jalen Hurts, the quarterback, as, as a lot of other people are. And also, they just lost. They lost a bunch of players this, this offseason. They lost— a couple of linebackers. They lost Javon Hargrave to the 49ers. Right, right. They, they've had some significant losses, and I think that they're planning on, and I know they, they traded up in the draft and, and made some additions. I think they're planning on, kind of like what we were just talking about with the Seahawks, some younger guys stepping up and, and stepping in for those players that left, which may work out, but some of these guys that left were known commodities, right. starting with Javon Hargrave, and you're going to unknown commodities at a few spots, which... To me, I don't in the NFL that's that's always a, a risk mm-hmm. and a gamble and and you don't necessarily know if it'll work out to the extent that they believe it will. Even though they lost Hargrave and lost him to a, a conference rival, defensive pressure up front is still one of their strengths and then when they get Jalen Carter and Nolan Smith, that's pretty well done in the draft for them. Yeah. You would think. I understand your point, still unknowns, but still it's like, wow, that was well done, Eagles. More 49ers talk. Jennifer Lee Chan, 49ers beat reporter for NBC Sports California, joins us next. It is Cattles and Rami. I'm the Rami half of that. The Cattles have still out. Whitey Gleason in for Nick the rest of this week, and then uh, Nick will be back after the Memorial Day weekend. Some NBA news and notes. To uh, catch up on coming up at about 4.45, but joining us now on the Folsom Lake Honda Hotline, Folsom Lake Honda, your one-stop Honda shop, 49ers beat reporter for NBC Sports California, Jennifer Lee Chan, our guest. Jennifer, how are you this afternoon? I'm good. How are you doing? Good. Are you are you counting snaps at OTAs <laughs> and seeing who's get, who's getting the, the, the reps with the number one team and number two team and everything else? Unfortunately, that was what was jotted down in my notepad yesterday <laughs> at practice. Oh God, it's just it's too early, but you know, I know everybody wants to know who's doing what, where, and when. So we do it. Otherwise, there's no reference point to bounce back to. So yes, I did. Yeah. <laughs> JLC, how you be? I-, I wanted to ask you about you know the defensive coordinator spot because D'Amico Ryan's we know did a great job. Uh, when Salah left, there was a lot of talk about D'Amico Ryan's. What's he going to do? And there's there's no talk about Steve Wilkes. Um, what what does Steve Wilkes bring to the job? And why are the 49ers obviously so confident that he's going to be a, an excellent fit as a coordinator? I think what's great about Steve Wilkes is that he's looking at this job where he you know you don't want to change what isn't broken. So if ain't broke, don't fix it. But what he is really good at is the secondary. So his specialty is defensive backs and safeties, whereas D'Amico Ryan's specialty was linebackers because he was obviously a linebacker. So I think what Steve Wilkes is going to do for these young guys in the secondary is really help them up their game. And, you know, I think the defensive line is going to handle itself with Javon Hargrave coming to the group. And Steve Wilkes knows that the defensive line is just going to get after quarterbacks. So now if you've got the secondary getting takeaways, I think that just rounds out your defense so much better. And I think they will get more turnovers with him as a defensive coordinator, just the technique that he's been teaching them. We haven't spoken to a ton of 
guys yet, but I'm excited to hear what they think of him. I know he's very, very well respected in the building, and I expect to see an improvement in the defensive backs and safeties group. And and th- there are and don't think we're not coming back for more quarterback questions, Jennifer. All right, we're we're not, I never we're, not that. we're not done with that. But since that. since we're on the defensive side, you mentioned Steve Wilkes in the secondary. We talk a lot about the quarterback position battle, but they got they got a couple position battles and got to figure out exactly who's slotting in where on on the defensive side of the ball and specifically in that secondary. Do they not? Yeah. So Charvarius Ward, Mooney Ward, obviously has that starting spot locked down. The way D'Amador Lenore played last year, I would think that he's going to start out training camp as the guy opposite of Charverius Ward. Uh, but the guys they brought in, there's some interesting guys. They're going to look for somebody who's going to play kind of that nickelback guy. Uh, Jimmy Ward obviously is not with the team anymore. He's in Houston with D'Amico Ryan. So there's an open spot there. It'll be interesting to see who takes it over. Yesterday at practice, we saw Isaiah Oliver, who used to play for the Atlanta Falcons, Steve Wilkes was very complimentary of him, said he's one of the best nickelbacks in the league. So I wouldn't be surprised if that guy takes over at that spot because it is so important, you know, stopping the run and also in coverage. So I think that's a guy to keep an eye on. Also yesterday, uh, Darrell Luter had a great day too. He had some pass breakups and he was very involved. It's hard to say, you know, who's going to be where because there are a lot of players that did not participate yesterday and I think there are a lot that will not participate during OTAs, but they're there for, you know, the individual drills and, you know, just to get uh, classroom work done. But uh, I think Isaiah Oliver is a guy who's definitely going to be gearing up for that starting role at Nickelback. Jennifer, I know the answer to this question relies, it hinges on a lot of things that are really unknowable at this point. So I understand that. But that said, does Trey Lance have a legitimate chance to be the number one quarterback this season? And do you think that in his mind, Trey Lance has a le- legitimate shot to be number one? I think definitely in his mind, he has a chance to do it. I mean, he is ready to compete. You know, He has a ton of respect for Brock Purdy and what he was able to do. But as far as I think what Shanahan and John Lynch are concerned, how they are concerned, is that Brock Purdy has been on the field and has proven it. Trey Lance just hasn't had a chance to do it on the field. You know, he week one and week two of twenty twenty two, the first week was a you know, in a, a torrential downpour. The second game is when he got hurt. So he just doesn't have a lot of, you know, game film. He doesn't have a lot of experience and while, you know, maybe he lights it up during training camp, the known quantity is Brock Purdy. So you know, they've said it throughout the offseason. Brock Purdy is a leader in the clubhouse. So I believe as long as he's healthy and he has some good practices before week one, I think it'll be Brock's, Brock Purdy's job to lose, I think, which is what Kittle said during the offseason. But if Trey Lance proves that he can throw the long ball to, you know, if Danny Gray can improve during training camp and Trey Lance and he have a really good connection during those deep passes and they can stretch out the offense, you know, that's where maybe Brock Purdy doesn't have as big of a, you know, as mm-hmm. big of a hold on the offense. So it remains to be seen, but I think anything is possible at this point. Jennifer Lee Chan, 49ers beat reporter for NBC Sports, our guest here on Cattles and Rami. You know, leading up to, to OTAs, there seemed to be a lot of buzz and chatter of, oh, you know, Sam Darnold, he might, he might be, they might do you think there's any fire to that smoke, or, or what do you think is, is with the Sam Darnold hype machine that, that we saw fire up leading up to OTAs? 
You might be asking the wrong person because I'm a USC <laughs> alum, so I have. I mean, I've, I've always been a big fan of Sam Darnold, but obviously he hasn't been in the best situation. You look at the way the 49ers have been able to develop quarterbacks and get them into the best position mm-hmm. possible. This is the best situation Sam Darnold has been in in his entire NFL career. You know, he's got Brian Greasy as a quarterback's coach. Kyle Shanahan is, you know, the offensive guru of, you know, the NFL. So to have those two guys helping him learn an offense that only benefits him because he's got such a huge supporting cast around him. I mean, uh, so many quarterbacks come in and do a really good job because you've got George Kittle, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, Christian McCaffrey – Kyle Juszczyk and Trent Williams on the line. I mean, like you, it's set up for success. So I think Sam Darnold, if he gets a chance, will do a great job. But that's the thing. Will he get a chance? Because he's got two guys as of right now kind of in front of him. So, you know, whether he's able to even see the field or not is going to be an interesting thing. But I think he's got a ton of talent. It's just whether he can do it on the field or not, because, the way Sam Donald has played, he, he's got a great arm. He can, you know, he's one of the he's got so much arm talent, but he's also had to play hero ball. Even back at USC, he didn't have a huge supporting cast around him. He had some great targets to throw to, but he had to, you know, he put a lot of it on his own shoulders. So to be in a situation where he doesn't have to do everything, it'll be interesting to see if he can actually do that or if he reverts back to, you know, trying to make plays where, you know, he might be able to do it instead of going for the 100%, you know, mm-hmm. maybe the check down or maybe the sure thing. So that's that's an interesting part of Sam Darnold's future. By the way, Jennifer, belated congratulations on Brawny uh, deciding to go to USC. I know you must have been excited about that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, putting a quarterback's that's big news. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know. Putting quarterbacks aside again for just a moment, if I were to ask you what non-quarterback has the most to prove in OTAs and also in camp, because I know OTAs, there's not that much to it, but what non-QB has the most to prove in OTAs and in camp this year with the Niners, who who would come to mind? Oh, wow. I, you know, there's so many guys who have, you know, locked down those starting roles. I would say it's got to be the one guy I'm kind of looking at is Drake Jackson. You know, a guy who was taken pretty high in the 22 draft and just, you know, he started out at the gate strong, but I think for a lot of rookies that aren't Nick Bosa coming into the league, you don't play football throughout, you know, from your, when your senior season ends or when you declare for the draft, you know, it's all about preparation for the draft. It's all about uh, pro days and the combine and then interviews and traveling all over and then, you're not really practicing football. So I think he came into the season not realizing how much work and how hard it was going to be on his body in that first year of the NFL. And you look at college players, they only played 12 games, maybe 13. So when you have to play three preseason games and 17 regular season games and then the playoffs, that's 22, 23 games. That's way more than they've ever played in their entire lives. So I think that hit Drake Jackson. We haven't spoken to him, but I think that's, you know, a lot of rookies say the rookie wall is real, and I think it hit him pretty hard, or he hit it pretty hard. So I expect him to be ready. He looked a little bit bulkier yesterday. Hard to tell because he had sweatpants and kind of a baggy shirt on, but he did look like he put on some weight. That's what Steve Volk said he did. So 
he's got a you know high expectations. Uh, kind of the bar is set pretty high for him, so that's the guy to watch during training camp. And where did he go to school? Oh, you know, some <laughs> really big school down in Southern California. <laughs> Before we let you go real quick, Jennifer Lee Chan of NBC Sports California, I guess, here for just a couple more minutes. You mentioned Nick Bosa. He's not at OTAs, but that's normal with him. He works out in private with his dad and his brother. But yeah. are, are are we going to see an extension for Nick Bosa this offseason? I think definitely they will do it. I would expect it to be, you know, more towards training camp. Mm -hmm. I believe Nick Bosa will show up for the mandatory minicamp. I don't think he'll do anything on the field, but I believe he's come in before. He just flies out, you know, watches some film, checks in, you know, they kind of do the, hey, how's it going? And I think, you know, you know, John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan need to say, hey, this is what's happening. We've talked to your agent. I think, you know, one-on-one contact is always better than having it go through a third party. Uh, I think it's definitely going to be done. Both John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan through the several times we spoke to them to the offseason. That was my question. I'm like, where are you guys with Nick Bosa? And they're like, it's going to happen. We're impatient too. It's going to happen. But usually those things happen for the Niners. I mean, historically, Fred Warner, George Kittle, Debo Samuel, it all happened Mm -hmm. right at the beginning of training camp, maybe week one or week two. That's Jennifer Lee Chan, 49ers beat reporter for NBC Sports California, and our guest for the last few minutes here on Cattles and Rami. Really appreciate the time and the insight, Jennifer. Thanks a lot. Thank you. No problem. One thing, uh, it is June 1st. Eric Armstead is having his gala, and it raises money for his uh, Armstead project, which is up in Sacramento, Uh which is up there. So uh, take a look at Eric Armstead's social media. It's got information on there and i know it's close to home for you guys so just a great event that does so much for the community of sacramento awesome glad to help get the word out on that appreciate it jennifer we'll talk again soon all right sounds good and she joins us on the folsom lake honda hotline folsom lake honda your one stop honda shop some nba news and notes to catch up with including the coaching carousel maybe slowing down discuss next out of the breaks as we pay tribute to a legend who sadly Passed away today at the age of 83. We'll get uh, back to some uh, NFL talk, 49ers talk with uh, the top spot coming up at 5 o'clock. But uh, just a couple NBA news and notes to to catch up on here real quick, Whitey. The first thing, and this was something we weren't even planning on touching on today because all we'd be doing was speculating and speculating on some very touchy ground and 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 treading into some dangerous territory which some people didn't have a problem at all doing today as you know social media and the internet being what it is but uh John Morant had what people said were cryptic tw- uh tweets today where one in which he said goodbye to his mother uh goodbye to his father said i love you to his daughter and then a fourth post that just said bye and with the issues that he's been having recently, people were speculating that, you know, maybe Ja would, would harm himself. And mm-hmm. that's what those tweets meant. And police in Tennessee did conduct a welfare check on Ja Morant following those cryptic messages. I was on Instagram. I said Twitter on Wednesday with officials telling TMZ that he's just taking a break from social media. So we, we know what it is. And it's hope, hopefully that is what it is. And all it is and nothing to worry about on the John Morant front. I've been saying all along, Whitey, I'm rooting for John Morant just as a person, as a human being. I, I want to see him get this thing right, and I want to watch him play basketball and entertain me for a long, long time. 
I know he's done some things that are not smart, but right. I don't think he's a dumb person. Right. So again, when I hear this story, it just I, a shiver goes down my spine because I wonder why is he doing that? What is he trying to say? Yeah, and some people are saying cry very for help. Concerning. Yeah, 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 that's what it seems like. Uh, meanwhile, like I said, some other news and notes from around the association. This just coming through. Clippers GM Michael Winger has agreed to become the president of Monumental Basketball, which I guess makes him the president of the Washington Wizards. I didn't and the Mystics. And the Mystics. He'll oversee the WNBA's Mystics and G League Go-Go as well. Terrible name. It's cool because you get a wand. If you're a GM, really, yeah, if you work for the wizard, yeah, yeah. when you become the president of monumental basketball, Uh I had no idea. That's outstanding. Yeah, now I want that gig. (laughs) That's terrific. So, uh, congratulations. I don't know. I don't don't know if he's good at what he does or not. But congratulations to Michael Winger, and good luck in Washington, where nobody has really uh, seemingly been able to get it right. And we've been talking a lot about Michael Winger. Give us Kevin Kuzma. That'd be cool, Kyle Kyle Kuzma Kuzma. or Kevin. Either one. Yeah. Uh, we've been talking about the coaching carousel, and it sounded like the 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 Bucks carousel was slowing down a little bit with the report that they had narrowed their list down to a few guys. Nick Nurse at the top of their list. Well, the Suns have reportedly have five finalists for their vacant head coaching position. I was surprised by the by the name at the top of this list. Doc Rivers, also Nurse, the aforementioned Nick Nurse, former Lakers head coach Frank Vogel. King's assistant, we've heard this name keep popping up in uh, head coaching rumors, Jordy Fernandez and Suns assistant coach Kevin Young. I'm sur- I'm I mean, plenty of guys keep getting keep getting recycled in this league. I thought Doc Rivers had had his his last shot with the Sixers and the way that things ended there. Yeah, he's a really good coach though. He's a good coach. He's a, a negatives. He's perceived as a guy who isn't the best at in-game adjustments necessarily. But, you know, a situation like that, I have to assume um, that, you know, you talk to KD, you talk to Devin Booker. I don't know if Chris Paul's in their plans, but when you got a superstar-laden roster like that, I, it's risky to go forward with a coaching hire unless you get the approval from those guys. So maybe one or both of them are really big doc guys. We shall see. And like I, I said this the other day when we were talking about the Bucks job, it's a matter of one domino falling, and then you'll see all the other dominoes fall. Chances are... Multiple teams have their eye on yeah. the same guy, and so Mark Jackson is not a finalist for the Bucks no, job because pro- they were supposed to talk to him. Probably not. They were supposed to talk no, to I him. Know. Yeah, yeah. I, I said the Bucks job feels to me like have you ever gone to a Walmart or a Target and they're they're conducting open interviews? Uh-huh. Like there's just a manager sitting there at a folding table with a stack of applications. Yeah, yeah. They're like anybody, just come through, <laughs> fill out an application, yeah. we'll interview you. That's how I felt the Bucks were conducting their coaching hire for him. Every name popped up. Kelvin Sampson. Every yeah. name that I just named on that list and a few more have all been connected to the Bucks in in some way, shape, or form. You know what? I'll say this. Good luck finding a guy better than the last guy you had. I agree. I agree. We said that about the Bucks. We said that about the Suns. Um, I, and I think the, the Raptors. And I think some of these teams, after making the decisions they've made, are looking around going, wait a minute, can't. Can we actually do better than than mm-hmm. the guy that we just had? Mm-hmm. And they find themselves going to these guys that other teams just fired, right. and, who, and who may be regretting right. their decisions as well. Uh, one guy who's who's not on the hot seat at all and won't be looking for a job anytime soon is Eric Spolstra, who might get Tyler Hero back soon. The uh, sharpshooter has been cleared for basketball activities. I don't think this factors into 
these Eastern Conference Finals, Whitey, especially if they're over as soon as tomorrow. He was just cleared for basketball activities, but possibly a, a major piece for the finals if wow. they should move on to play the Nuggets. Tyler Hero, that makes that makes them a better basketball team when he's out there on the court. Yeah, and they've been shooting the ball well, very well last night, didn't shoot the ball well. Mm-hmm. So as you said, make or miss league to a large degree. If they cool be off huge for them. If they cool off, that's definitely a guy that they could use. Yeah. And Hero was uh on the sideline yesterday in game four of the Eastern Conference Finals. And just for no reason, for no reason whatsoever. He catches a stray from Stan Van Gundy. Reggie, you know the number one reason the Heat need Tyler Hero back? Because his fashion is so bad on the bench <laughs> that we need him in uniform. We need him in uniform. Tyler, the foul's been deemed a common foul. We'll shoot Stan two. Van we'll Gundy. I didn't think it was that bad. And I'm not I'm I'm not I'm not not a fashion expert. What was by it any yesterday means. that he was wearing? He just had on I'm looking at it right now. He had on like I don't know what's on his t shirt. It's a black t shirt with some kind of purple and white logo in the middle. Leather jacket over that, couple of, you know, bobble necklaces and uh and a I'd white I'd like to see Stan Gundy pull off that. Like, what uh, type of necklace? With the with the bobbles on it. You know, and it's got like all the little balls and things. <laughs> I don't know. You can just bobbles. What I don't know what the like. There's a cactus on there. I don't know. It's just a bunch of random Stan things. Stan needs to stay in his lane. Am I right? Trinkets, yeah. yeah. Stan Van Gundy criticizing <laughs> other players for their fashion choices. I, yeah. Coach, really? I, 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 but I'm the last one to do that. You know, I'm a t-shirt and jeans guy. And right. I'm, I'm not coming for Tyler Hero. That's why you don't do it? I yeah. mean, there are some fashion decisions I will come after. Like when James Harden showed up in the Cookie Monsters skin suit. Like, that was weird. The one with the beard. James uh, Harden. Kyle Kuzma, <laughs> when he showed up in the pink sweater and the sleeves hanging down to the, to the yeah. floor. That was... I can say that's weird, you know. Uh-huh. Or, the red it, boots. Or Kyle yeah. Kuzma again with the the remember the winter jacket yep. that wrapped all the way, way around, around his head, hand. like there was a, yeah. a poof that went all the way around his head. It looked mm-hmm. like it was backwards. That I can look at and go, that's weird. I thought Tyler Hero was fine. I don't it's, know. it's pretty understated. Yeah, it's he's normal. got a little purple bu- uh, buckle. And, Why can't I say it? A bucket hat. There we go. Yeah, <laughs> and I would look to Jay and why, not Whitey or myself. No offense. I would look no. to Jay and Simone. Yes, to to critique <laughs> Tyler Hero's fashion. So not on, Stan Van Gundy. On, not no. Stan Van Gundy <laughs> either. No, but they seem to think that Tyler Hero was was okay last night. How was Trey Lance on day one of OTAs? How about Sam Darnold? Snap count twenty twenty three is on, and we talk about it next in the top spot. Cattles and Rami. Sacktown Sports.